I'm glad you mentioned. Oh. I'm glad you mentioned police and firefighters there, Francis. We have we're looking out across the exhibit hall. Uh, there's a CERT emergency or operational support vehicle inside the hall. I'm not sure how it got here. I don't want to know how it got here. It's very cool to look at. There's lots of flashing lights. But talk to us about drones. We see a lot of first responders and search and rescue struggle with this. We have this great new technology, yeah. but first responders aren't necessarily IT and data and equipment experts. And I know you have done a lot of work with uh, search and rescue and helping in those those areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of search and rescue, I think it, it uh, if we go back about five years ago now, uh, we have equipped all of the major uh, search and rescue teams that are federally mandated by by uh, uh, by equipping them with uh, base camp units. So they all have two units, one for deployment and one for backup. So uh, Vancouver, Toronto or Montreal are the first ones to, um, to have been trained on, on these units. Now, <clears throat> when we talk with them five years ago, um, again, technology goes very fast and we were talking about integrating new stuff uh, and, and referring back to, to Vancouver, uh, HUSAR, so TF1 uh, or TF2, I don't remember. Uh, they have, uh, so one of the things that they have come up with is um, a tablet uh, that will uh, look, let's say, in a rubble, right? So a building goes down and there's rubble, and they will um, they will go there. Uh, since it's it, an unstable environment, what they will do is take that video feed back to where the team is located in a safer environment, and they're doing that with a a Wi-Fi directional antenna. So that was new to me. To me, I, I didn't know that existed. Uh, but it, it extends the range of Wi-Fi, but in a very linear point-to-point -point, um, way. What this allows them to do is to have a video feed and uh, talk between themselves about what's the best way uh, to go in what remains of the building and try to find you know, missing persons if they are. Um, that was kind of initially, we weren't talking about drones at that time, but, but that's one of the tools that they had. The drone is for us exactly the same thing. It's an IP address, right? Like your computer right. has an IP address and you're connected to a network. Uh, we are taking that as an additional tool uh, to help search and rescue operators do their job. Um, I think the, the the closest example that we have uh, and that we've been talking about is with Burlington Fire. So. Uh, Burlington Fire, and I'm talking about Burlington, Ontario, in Toronto, right? Not Burlington uh, in the States. Um, so Burlington are using a drone with an infrared sensor to determine on top of the building. And the example they gave me was uh, a mall. So there was a fire in the roof of a mall. And there's a danger effect to taking a firefighter and going on site to see what's going on and where the hotspot is. Doing it with a drone is another way to do it, but it's a much safer way to do it because, of course, you're you're up in the air. Uh, mm -hmm. You could see where the hotspot is, and it greatly reduces the risk of deploying your team because now you know where you're going to go in uh, through the building, how you're going to you know put water in the building or or you know whatever agent you want to put in there, um, and and what's what will be your intervention plan. 
And that really is a new tool for an intervention plan. The police might be a little bit different, but think about highway patrol uh, and a crash uh, involving you know, multiple vehicles. They might be able to deploy a drone on site and see what the wreckage looks like before they can actually be on site just because of traffic, right? So uh, carnage happens uh, on the 401, uh, at eight in the morning, it, it's not long that you're going to get stuck in traffic. And, and even though you have sirens and lights and everything going on, you might be impeded to go on site. So deploying a drone might be a very effective way uh, to help you and build your plan. So it helps helps um, manage resources, too, because using your example, if you see an accident on the 401, you can determine ahead of time, I don't need four or five responders. I only need one. Exactly. Kind of thing, right? And you can always, you know, you can already decide how many tow trucks you need to be on site uh, and what type of tow trucks, you know, is it is it a semi uh, that's that's uh, on the side of the road? This is just a couple of cars, um, you know, that can help you greatly into evaluating what, what the danger is to get on site uh, and what the intervention plan is once you're going to get there for sure. These are all very interesting applications for for first responders and incident management but how do we if, I, if i'm a firefighter and and my my station my department now has a drone how do we how do we effectively train people so that they can use this equipment and this tech technology yeah and um, you know i'm sure that at the show today there's a few drone companies that can explain everything that they do <laughs> but what we've been seeing because uh, we work with a lot of them, and, and it, it does happen that the drone camp companies call us to better understand how they can integrate their uh, their drone uh, feed. And it's usually a camera feed that you're getting with a drone. Yeah. Uh, how do they incorporate that into something else, and how did they get that drone feed, uh, the video feed, back out to a, another location, whether it's headquarters, uh, whether it's uh, uh, you know an emergency operation center, uh, there's ways to do it, and, and we are the vehicle that allows that to happen. Um, but the drone is is something it's something specific because you need someone to fly the drone, right? And you need a license to do that. Otherwise, uh, an emergency happens. You're, you 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 need a license. Yes. But I thought, but how come you can buy them off of Amazon and people buy them off of Amazon? Yeah. And I know a couple of people who have bought them off of Amazon and don't have licenses. So yes. can you talk about that? Yeah. So there's training to operate a drone uh, for public safety, you know, specifically. Uh, okay. The drone companies will either lend you, rent you or sell you a drone, but they're also going to give you the training on how to operate it and, and how to fly it. <clears throat> right. Because okay. you get and you know, you get to a site you have an emergency vehicle. Uh, let's say that you have a command vehicle that, you know, that's normally where we stand. We have a command vehicle and, and it's it's decked out with our stuff. Um, and then you have a drone inside that's sitting in a box. So you can't take the first person out and say, hey, take that drone, put it up in the air. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. You would not um, want me doing that now. No, 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 exactly. <laughs> and then you have, uh, for example, drone operators who will operate within the vicinity of an airport. So th there's regulation, you know, th there's a certain framework uh, that, that's around it. Um, and you need to, to have someone who knows how to operate the drone. Uh, who knows what, for example, uh, you know, the battery lifetime uh, is, 
to make sure that uh, you're not, you know, an hour and a half circling around a certain location and then, you know, the drone, uh, the drone drops. Uh, there's things with a home button, for example, that exists. You need to know how to do these things because the home button, if you haven't set, set it up properly, uh, once the drone gets out of battery, you know, aside from instead of coming back to you at the location where you are, if you haven't set up properly, it's going to go back to HQ all the way out. Right. And, and if it if it crosses an airport doing that, it's it's going to do it. You know, you just gave them the indication to, to go back home, to go back to base. So uh, there are things that you really need to, to take care of. Um, there's also a, a legal factor that's involved. Uh, and, and you're right. There's drones that are operated by uh, amateurs. Right. I could operate a drone over the weekend to take snapshots of my house. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you do do this in a legal context with a police deployment, for example, um, you deploy an amateur drone out there. Uh, it, it's not only that they're not going to like it. You you might have some legal implication there. You are not allowed to do things like that. Um, so th there are things and, and there are frameworks um just like flying an airplane or a helicopter uh using a drone for specifically for public safety uh intervention so there are a set of rules that that you need to follow for sure francis earlier you mentioned you know uh these people using directional wi-fi and it got me thinking about search and rescue when we do search and rescue in remote areas the communication tools and systems that we would use here in Toronto are not not the same. So what are what are you seeing some organizations do for for that? Um, so we're looking at it maybe more as a broad perspective because search and rescue, especially in Canada, uh, there's really two entities for search and rescues. Uh, there's the, the, normally it's the larger uh, cities that have the search and rescue group, and that falls under the fire department. So even though they have more of a separate um, or additional training and additional gear for search and rescue, it's still part of the fire department. It's true for all the cities I mentioned before. Um, now, there's also a second layer, and that is defense. Uh, and it, true in Canada, so the Canadian Reserve will deploy during that natural disasters. Uh, they did uh, during the Alberta wildfires. They did uh, in Gatineau last year during the floods. Uh, they do that year in, year out. And their specific goal is to deploy with kits to help public safety and connect everybody together while the infrastructure is either down, has been knocked out, or is not working. So we're really looking at this as a broader perspective of how do we connect all of those people together? Uh, and how do we make sure that they have very different systems, but we're still able at, you know, at an ad hoc scenario to connect all of them together for a temporary time, uh, whether it's uh, an hour, a day, a week, a month, and then disconnect everyone so that they can go, all go on and do uh, go about their business uh, once it's not needed. Um, so that's, that's really the way that we're looking at it. So everything that we're looking at in terms of newer technologies, right? Uh, newer radio systems, integration with radio and LTE, uh, radio over IP, and all those new technologies. We're looking at that as an integration perspective of how can we enhance what we have 
using these new technologies and still keep the filter of having something that's very, very simple as an interface for the user. And, and we have two users group. Uh, we, we sell to defense also to, to you know, international de really defense deployments. And that's a complete different ball game. Uh, but when we talk about disaster response, it's always simplicity, ease of use and ease of connectivity between all the different act actors together. So if if I piggyback on uh, the, the radio over IP, for example, that has allowed us to have uh, apps that you can have on your phones, on tablets, on PCs. And once it's set up properly, you could have someone using their, uh, their cell phone actually talk to someone who is using a radio. So uh, let's put this into context. Uh, and, and going back into some examples, um, if there's a large event happening downtown Toronto and the firefighters are deployed and search and rescue teams are, are deployed within the fire department and they need to go into a building, that has other implications because normally the media is going to be there um, quite quickly. And you will also need non-intervention people to be aware of what's going on. City Hall, for example, uh, public safety and City Hall, Ontario uh, will will might be involved at one point. So there's all those different organizations coming together. Now, you probably don't want the mayor to be on site at the intervention scene, especially not at the beginning because they're organizing, they're doing the job. However, you want a link to that uh, to that person and that link might not be available being a phone line. So you're going to have the radio over IP features, uh, whether it's a fixed uh, um, uh, setup that it's somewhere in a server in the city uh, that, that can link up phone systems to radios, uh, or it's an ad hoc potential like, uh, you know, being deployed on site and then reaching out to the mayor uh, to give, you know, an assessment of what's going on. Uh, ease of connectivity. You mentioned ease of connectivity. Yeah. That is a topic near and dear to my heart. After this morning, <laughs> After we've had all kinds of connectivity uh, fun times. So, uh, Francis, we I, we know we're uh, you're a busy man. We want to let you go. If people want to learn more, where where can they find you, or where can they find uh, Basecamp Connect? Well, the website, of course, is, is one of the first places to go and look at, uh, you know, the products, the markets that we serve, everything's there. We have a lot more. We have case studies, you know, how what to think about when you have um, uh, you want to buy uh, a mobile command unit, for example, uh, that that's one of the things that we provide. Uh, of course, we have customers around Canada and, and more specifically in the Toronto area. So without citing everyone, we mentioned Toronto, the city of Vaughan, uh, Burlington, uh, uh, St. Catharines, uh, we have uh, uh, Niagara, we have, uh, I think one of the first one was the city of Guelph, so shout out to all the folks hey, in Guelph, if they're listening. That's where I live. <laughs> yeah, so John Green and, and his team uh, on the IT department. Uh, we are physically on site at the booth, uh, number five, I think, in the premium booth at the show. <clears throat> we we can see you over there yeah and he's waving to he's us waving, so he's, yes. there you go so my my buddy Francois <laughs> is there yeah uh and and he's got one of the new kits that that we have uh that we're presenting at the show so uh we're uh, and then of course uh we're always happy to have a call a video chat 
uh, a demo to anyone who wants to know more. It's free, doesn't cost anything. Uh, and, and, you know, there's long cycles of, of selling our products within the community. So when you call us, we don't bug you every month to figure out, hey, when are you going to buy this? You know, sometimes <laughs> it takes three years until it happens. So uh, we're very helpful with the customers. All right. So for our audience, if you're on site today, Francois is in booth five. Every time I say his name, his eyes go wide in terror. Uh, you can also find <laughs> just like that, yes, just, just, just like, like that. right yeah. now. Uh, and they can also uh, you can find uh, Francis and his team at basecampconnect.com. Fran Francis, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And a thanks to uh, Melanie for uh, helping set, uh, set this up for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. She's behind. You can't see her, but she's behind me. I'll go. <laughs> she's listening just around the corner, <laughs> right? right? Around the corner. She always <laughs> listens to what I do. <laughs> all right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day, Francis. Thank you, sir. Have and drive, sa day. drive safe with all that snow. Yes, thank you. Likewise. Take care. Bye.